I love that. We're doing a series this, um, <clears throat> this month called A Love Addict. And rightly so, because what month is it? It's the month of love. For those of you who do not know, it is Valentine's Day. What is it? This Wednesday, Thursday. I'm only a husband. I don't need to know exactly what day it is. <laughs> See, my wife's not here, so I can say that. Um, Um, If you look over here, you see that I have a pitcher of water and a a cup. That's an indication about how long I'm going to be speaking. (laughs) We talked last week about addiction. and, And addiction is something that controls your life. An addiction is something that causes that that forces you to make decisions to follow them, and we we talked uh, about relationships specifically, uh, and how relationships can be uh, a, can lead us away when we're addicted to a relationship. It can lead us away from God, and it it is a it's a poison in our lives. Uh, just like any other addiction, physical addiction we have, alcohol is a poison that ruins your life. Um, drugs, whether they're illegal or prescription drugs, uh, can be an addiction that will destroy your life. And uh, today I want to talk about another kind of addiction. And this is probably one that is most prevalent in our society today. When I was, uh, when I guess I was in college, um, I, uh, I used to wear a necklace, and I wore it everywhere I went. And um, on the end of this necklace, I had a ring. And now if you have seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy, okay, you can kind of get an idea of what it looked like. It was just a, a necklace, and it had a ring there. And Now, I did this before those movies came out. I was not copying. And that ring didn't have any special powers. Um, the ring itself, believe it or not, was a ring I got out of one of those 25-cent dispensers. You know, you put your quarter in there, and you turn, and it pops out. And that's where I got the ring. The, uh, the chain was, you know those, those, uh, those chains that are little balls put together that are on a fan, ceiling fan? That's what that, ch- it was that, that kind of chain. Needless to say, it was not expensive. There was not a, monetary, a lot of monetary value in that. But there were, it was a, a greater value in that than just what it, how much I could get for it if I sold it. I probably couldn't even have gotten 25 cents for it if I had tried selling to somebody. But the reason I wore that was completely different. Because I decided that uh, my love love for Jesus, I was going to choose to love Jesus. And if if at some point that my relationship with Jesus... uh, veered, 
it was because I no longer made a choice to follow Jesus. It's kind of like that ring and that necklace. The ring was a circle. It, was, it had no broken parts in it. It was a circle. There was no, you know, a circle. You go in a circle, you, you never stop because you never get to the end. And, and that was a representation of how I saw God's love for me. The chain, on the other hand, had a, a, a place where you could take it apart. Hence how I got the ring on the chain. I took the chain apart and put the ring on there, put it around my neck and put it back together. As long as I chose, like that necklace, to stay, to stay together, God was always going to be with me. But I couldn't at any time take that necklace off, take the ring off of that necklace, and separate myself from God's love. It was, a, it was a daily reminder that the only way I can escape from God is by choice. If I choose to remove him from my life, set him down somewhere and walk away. Some people, there's a big debate on whether a person can lose their salvation. Okay? And, you know, depending on who you ask, who you talk to, there's a lot of Bible references you can pull up. But let me just, I'm going to be completely honest with you. You cannot lose your salvation. I know some of you are probably going, Amen. some of the board members are probably going, what's he going to do? <laughs> Here's why I say that. <clears throat> let's, say, let's say this is um, my car keys. I didn't bring my car keys up here with me, so I can't use I say, you guys all have car keys. When you lose your car keys, what usually happens? Here's what usually happens. You go over here, and you set them down somewhere, and you walk away, and you forget where they were. I have one place in my house where I hang my car key up all the time. And you know why? Because I have a stupid memory. I've been here long enough to know. Well, I've been here long enough that Crystal, Pastor Crystal, knows that. She works with me four days during the week. And I've heard, many times she says, you really can't remember anything, can you? Amen. You don't lose your salvation. What you do is you set it down somewhere and you walk away from it. And that is what that necklace and that ring reminded me of. Is that I cannot, I cannot lose it. I have to abandon it, whether by conscious choice or by deception on somebody else's part. That necklace wasn't very expensive. The ring wasn't very expensive, but it had great value. Now, I don't wear it anymore. Um, I don't, it's, it, I think I lost it when I went swimming at some point in time, and I just never put it back on but I still remember it's, it still clicks that 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 God's love never ends but we can separate ourselves from God if we choose to now there's no value in that necklace I'm not going to cry over that necklace because it's gone but the value that came from that was not an earthly value it was not something that people uh, 
in the world today would seek after. And I want to talk about value today. I want to talk about the, the value of things that are going to last. Some of the, some of the, uh, <clears throat> some of the most least valuable things in the world last the longest. Take a rock, for instance. How many people would spend $100 on a piece of rock? Just You would? Well, good. More power to you. I wouldn't spend $100 on a piece of rock because they're all over the place. But they will last a pretty long time. Now, eventually, erosion will tear a mountain down. But the things that really last, especially the things that are going to last a path through eternity are not going to be things that we consider valuable. And everybody loves finding value in things. Have you ever found something that was extremely valuable? Right? You find something that's really valuable. I've, I've seen people uh, with those little meta detectors going out and, and you hear stories or you maybe you read a story about somebody finding a ring that was worth $2,000. And you think, I'm going to go buy me one of those things, and I'm going to find all kinds of valuable stuff, and, and I'm going to become rich. And I never did that, but I had a friend in, in college who did. He went and he bought a really nice one. I think he spent like $400 on it. And he would go out to the beach in different places where people had gone, and he would do that. And he told me, he said he had, been, he had done it for probably about eight months and he found one item that was worth more than about five bucks. We, we invest in things that we want to get a return on, a lasting return. He didn't spend his money very wisely. If you spend $400, $500 for something and you get, you know, maybe 25 bucks out of it, that's not a very good investment. But we all want to have some type of good investment for our for a good return for our investment. So where do we find that? Where can we actually invest to get a good return in? Well, the Bible gives us pretty good indication as where, where we can get the best return for our, our investment. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. This is going to be a, a fairly, um, fairly familiar passage for most of you. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. When I talk about, I'm going to be talking about being a, a slave today. Um, and you know, Somebody who is addicted to something is a slave. A slave is somebody who just obeys. You are a slave to that which you choose to obey. So if you're addicted to drugs, you will do anything you can 
to, to get drugs, legal or illegal. If you're an alcoholic, you'll do anything you can to feed that addiction of alcohol. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. Did you know that pornography is the fastest growing addiction in the world? Maybe you're addicted to food. Maybe you're addicted to lying. Maybe your addiction is a desire to have influence. Maybe your addiction is power. Maybe your addiction is money. Whatever your addiction is, you become a slave to that. You obey that. Now, some people have a hard time, some pastors have a hard time talking about finances in, at church. And here's my philosophy. Uh, I have a lot of different philosophies, and so you'll hear a lot of them from the stage. Uh, my philosophy is, God's going to take care of me. So I need to do what he tells me to do. And if he tells me to preach about money, guess what? I'm going to preach about money. Okay? Um, and, I, and I'm not doing this because I feel the church needs your money. Because let me tell you, the, the God I serve does not need your money. He doesn't. He has the whole world as an access. And me preaching about money is not about me, and it's not about this church. It is about you. Because money has more people enslaved in our society than almost all of the other addictions combined. Because we can't live without it. And I mean that literally. I mean that literally. We can't. You don't get to pay your rent or your mortgage if you don't make money. You don't get to buy food if you don't make money. We can't live without it. But then some people can't live without having more of it. And that's where it becomes an issue. You've all heard the, you, you've all heard the um, money is the root of all kinds of evil. I remember when I was in high school, there used to be a TV show called The Monkees. How many people, how many people, yeah, all right. You know, and I only saw a couple of episodes but they had, in, the, in, their, in their, wherever it was filmed, they had a big poster. And on that poster, it said, money is evil. And I don't know whether the producers were trying to, be, trying to make a joke of it or trying to make a statement or, or what, the, what the deal is. But some of the greatest, one of the, some of the greatest lies that we believe are a misrepresentation, rep, misrepresentation of what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say anything about money being evil. What it says is the love of money. And it doesn't even say the love of money is evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. The root, which means the love of money is what causes 
all kinds of evil. That is the, that is the issue that we face in our society today. The love of not just money, but, but the love of possessions. The love of what, what having things gives you. Let's be honest. It's nice to ride around in a brand new car. And there is nothing wrong with riding around in a brand new car. But we, it, it, gives, it gives us kind of a, a status amongst our peers when we're able to ride around in a brand new car. I am not opposed to having a brand new car. I, we, have, we just bought a, a car a couple, three months, four months ago. Not brand new, but it looks brand new. It drives brand new. And it's really dirty right now. Because we get all kinds of snow. How many of you guys woke up to four inches of snow this morning? Yeah. I love Iowa. <laughs> the love of money being the root of all evil... What it does is it captivates us because it's, it, the love of money is what causes other evils to enter into our life. Money could cause us to strive for possessions. Money could cause us to strive for power. And if you have enough money, you can buy a lot of possessions. And believe it or not, if you have enough money, you can buy a lot of power. Money is not evil. Money is no more evil than this plant. This plant's not going to hurt me. This plant is not going to uh, not going to ruin my life. But what will ruin my life is when I am obsessed with this plant. I come in here during the week every once in a while and I pray. I'll, I usually don't kneel down and pray. I usually I'm a pacer. If you haven't noticed that, I pace a lot on Sunday mornings. That's what I do when I pray, is I pace. But if I allow this plant to control me, if I'm addicted to this plant, I'll probably kneeling down in front of this plant. Oh, you have such beautiful leaves. Oh, ow. I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> can I have some of these berries? Mm. We become so obsessed and so consumed with it that it controls our lives. And that is the danger with money. We become a slave to money. We become a slave to the, the, the evil that it grows within our lives. So what can we do about it? How do we, how do we overcome this, this slavery, this bondage that money can put in our lives? Well, the best way to overcome anything is to give it away. Give it away. If you're obsessed with something, give it away. If you're obsessed with a relationship, if you're obsessed with possessions, money, See, you will never be a slave to that which you freely give away. 
But if you got to have it, it controls you. I'm going to be honest with you. There are times in my life where money has kept me awake at night. And not just because I didn't know where the money was going to come from to do things. But sometimes that, that, that desire to have more of it. The desire to have the, nudest, the, new, the most recent technology. The most fashionable pair of shoes. I, I, I don't... I don't know if you notice this. I don't have really nice shoes. I figure um, I'm going to be walking on them all the time. You know, my wife, on the other hand, she doesn't spend a lot of money on shoes, but she has some really nice shoes. Shoes that she will not wear in the snow. So she only gets to wear them two months out of the year around here. <laughs> it's a good two months. We've got to love that two months. If there's something in your life that is, that is causing an obsession, that is a master to you, that you're addicted to, the best way to defeat it is to give it away. And that is no exception when we're dealing with money. Now, I'm not, gonna, I'm not telling you to go out and, um, and find out how much you have in your checking account and write it out and give every money, all the money that you have right now away. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you want to be free from the, the addiction that money can bring. If you want to be free from, from the addiction, that, uh, the, the slavery to money. There are things that the Bible puts, the, the, the Bible has written down things that we can do to help us overcome that. And I want to look at that. Now, I want you to know, um, I have not, even, even in my early pastoral years, I did not give the way God had, had told me that I needed to give. Yeah, believe it or not, I was a pastor for many years, and I did not give the way God wanted me to give. And guess what? I found that it was very difficult to make ends meet. It was. That's just the way it was. But I've been a pastor now for about 25 years. And for the most, for the more recent years, especially since long before Jeanette and I get married, I started, I started tithing. And I started talking to people who tithed regularly. And you know what I found out? The people who tithe regularly still had difficult times in their life. But, but, they were always content with what they had. One of the biggest signs of discontentment in a person's life is the fact that they are not living the way God calls them to live, specifically with their finances. You want to overcome being a slave to money, you need to give it away. Jim Elliott was a missionary. I, I talked about his wife, Elizabeth, a little bit, but Jim Elliott was a missionary. You guys probably heard this story. He was trying to, to reach the Akua Indians, 
And, um, you know, there were a lot of things that he did. He sent them gifts and stuff like that. And finally, the day came where him and four other missionaries were going to make contact with him. And on that day, um, whether they did something that, that was inappropriate or what, on that day, the two Indians that <clears throat> met them there took the lives of all five of the missionaries. And, and later on, they found in his journal a statement that will change, our, will change your life if you really take it to heart. And here's, you, I'm sure probably most of you have heard it. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. We live not just a physical world, but we live in a spiritual world. We live in a spiritual world. And at some point in time, the physical world that we are living in right now is going to come to an end. And while society tells us, make as much money as you can, put as much money back in your retirement as you can, and enjoy life as much as you can while you're here, we're storing up things that are not going to last. We're storing up treasures here on earth. But if we will understand the concept of, of giving away the things we can't keep, you're not going to be able to keep the clothes you wear when you die. You're not going to be able to keep the automobiles, uh, the, the, you know, the house, those things are going to be dead and gone. In fact, when you die, they might still be around, but you won't care about them anymore. Instead, we should be focusing on things that are going to last eternally. So when we invest in things, we should be investing in things that are going to be eternal. So how do we... How do we overcome this slavery of money? How do we uh, invest in things that are eternal? Well, to that we're going to need to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, in all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I'll be the first one to tell you that I would love for God to bless me financially. I'll be honest. I would love that. But, but God, God knows what's better for us than we do. I'm going to be honest with you. 
I, I, I keep saying that like I'm not honest with you any other time. That's not the case. I don't know why I keep saying I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, I'm honest with you all the time. But God knows what I can handle. And if he was to give me a billion dollars, I probably wouldn't use it wisely. He knows what I can handle. And he's going to give me what I can handle. So how do I, how do I allow him to give me those, the, the things that I can handle? Well, let me show you how. I haven't been over here to drink this water because it's actually not really. Um, <clears throat> this is what I can handle, this cup. This is me. Okay? And God's going to give me what I can handle. And for all practical purposes, this is you too. God's going to give me what I can handle. He's going to fill it all the way up to the top, just as, almost to where it's overflowing. And so God's going to, he gives me what I can handle. Well, I say, okay, God, but I want a little bit more. He says, well, I can't give you any more because you can't handle it. So how in the world am I supposed to, how am I supposed to let God give me more? Well, I guess if I want to get more, I have to empty out some of what is in there. Right? Sounds simple. So here's what I do. I say, okay, God, I'm going to, I want you to give me, I want you to, to allow me to, to, to have, you know, a little bit more. I want you to give me more. I want you to bless me. So I say, I'm going to give, I'm going to give some of it away. And here's where most of us start. And now we have to sit and we have to wait for that thing. Well, God, I still, I, I want you to, I, I'd like to have a little bit more. God's saying, well, I can't give you anymore. You're still full. And that's how, that's how we, we look at life. If we want God to give us more, and it's, and it's, it, it, it's not for ourselves, but if we want God to give us more, so, so that, and he's going to give us what we can handle, we have to be willing to let some of it go. And most of us, that's how we let it go. A little bit at a time. And so God will pour a little bit in there to fill us back up. And then we let a little bit more go. I met a, when I was in college, there was a uh, professor there. Um, <clears throat> and you wouldn't know it, but he had more money than he'd ever know what to do with. And, uh, and he, he, uh, he taught the Bible, and he says he, found, he, he discovered the key of allowing God to bless you. And it has nothing to do with what he gives you. If you want God to invest in what you're doing to bless you, you have to be an instrument in which you bless other people. Instead of having a little tiny hole, you put a little bit bigger hole. I sure hope this holds all this water. <laughs> I wasn't thinking this through. You let more out, and he can pour more in. The more that comes out, the more he's allowed to pour in. The problem is we don't want to let go. We don't want to let go of what we have because we're scared we won't have enough. And that is a lack of faith. 
So, how do we live free from the slavery of money? First and foremost, we have to realize it doesn't belong to us anyway. God wants to bless you, but he is giving you what belongs to him. Parents know this. I'm, we're teaching Eli um, that not everything belongs to him. He'll climb up on the couch, and he'll put his feet on the couch, and he'll stand on the couch. And I will say, Eli, you need to get down, because that couch does not belong to you. Me. And I look at him, and I say, me. Me paid for it belongs to me. In the same way that, the, the, that Eli has things, and we call them his things, in reality, I paid for them, and I gave them to him. They're really my things. And, and that is what God does for us. He entrusts us with the things that are his. Yeah, but Pastor Steve, I work hard for this money. I'm sure you do. But who gave you the breath of life to enable you to work? Who gave you the opportunity to find that job? Who gives you the ability to wake up every morning? Everything belongs to God anyway. Psalms 24, 1 and 2 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. It's God's. When we first understand that everything belongs to God, it makes it a lot easier to give it away. When I was, I guess I was, uh, my second job as youth pastor, my mom and dad, I told you this many times, I grew up pretty poor. Um, we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. My dad worked, he didn't make a lot of money at his job. My mom didn't work, um, stayed home with the kids. And so we didn't have a lot of money. It wasn't until after I got out of home and got into college and started working for myself that my mom and dad decided they wanted to make more money. So when I got into college, now they're making a lot more money. I'm like, going, why did you do that when I was living at home? When, when I didn't have to pay for everything, you could have helped me pay for things. But I had them, they, they came and visited me once. And, um, and when we went out to eat, they would pay for my lunch. So you know what I did? Ordered a lot of food. <laughs> How easy is it for us to spend somebody else's money? How hard is it for us to spend our own money? Money we have is not ours. It's God's money. And, and when we, we realize that, it makes it easier for us to give it away because we know that God's gonna, it's God's money anyway. Now, it doesn't mean that you be stupid with God's money. But it means that don't try and keep it because the more you try and keep it, the less he's allowed to fill you up. We, in our society, we think that um, 
we get things because we want to raise our standard of living. But there's a, I have, there's a book that I, that I, I reread this book every couple of years from Andy Alcorn. And I don't know a lot of his stuff, but this book is really good. It's The Treasure Principle. And we're going to look more at this book toward the end of summer um, and, and, and how it can be applied to our life. But he said something, he said something in this book that, um, that just kind of sums it all up with God and, and money. And he says this, God blesses you not to raise your standard of living, but to raise your standard of giving. But we have a hard time because we're fearful that if we give too much away, if we do what God asks us to do, then we're going to be stuck and we're not going to have anything. We've got to realize that it all belongs to God anyway. The second thing that we have to realize that sowing generously is the key. Verse, uh, verse 6 of that passage in, in 2 Corinthians says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Generosity. Let's, let's look at that real quick. Generosity. What is generosity? What is generosity? Let's assume, and I'm going to be facing this here in, in about 10 years when Eli gets to that age. Uh, let's assume... You have a kid, and you are going to go out for the day, and you tell your kid, I want you to clean the kitchen. How many, how many students have ever had to clean the kitchen? One. One? Two? Okay, okay. That, okay. that makes me feel better. I was thinking, I thought, wait a minute. Was I the only one who had to clean the chicken? Here's the thing. You tell your kid to clean the kitchen, you leave, and you come back, and they clean the kitchen. What did they do? They did what you told them to do. Do you call that generosity? No. Now, if you were to say the same thing and you were to leave and your kid said, ah, you know what, I cleaned the kitchen, I still have a little bit of time, and I know, parents, none of your kids do this. I understand that. But they got done cleaning the kitchen, they went into the living room and started cleaning the living room. And then they went into their bedroom and cleaned their bedroom. Oh, yeah, amen. Amen. Would that be generous? Yes. It's, generosity is above and beyond what you are required to do. That's, so when Paul is writing here and, and he's saying so generously, he's saying you need to do above and beyond what is expected of you. So what is expected of us? What are, what are we expected to do as Christians with our finances? How are we supposed to handle those? Well, first and foremost, um, you have to understand that in the New Testament, there is not a lot said about tithe. Jesus does not talk about the tithe in the New Testament very often. In fact, if memory serves me correctly, there is one instance that he actually talks about it, and he's talking to some Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees were, were giving their money as they should, their tithe to God, but they weren't acting justly. They were being unjust with their decisions. And, and Jesus, Jesus, he confronts me, tells them, you need to do the former, giving tithe, 
without neglecting the latter being justice. What God was, what Jesus was telling them is, you need to be paying your tithe and you need to be acting justly. It's Jesus' way of saying the tithe is still relevant. You read in the Old Testament, and you and you find it happens. It is it's stated regularly in the Old Testament. But if that is the expectation, if the tithe is the expectation, then if you pay your tithe on a regular basis, are you being generous? No. You're doing what's expected of you. Too many people think, oh, I write my tithe check and I put it in the offering. I'm such a good Christian. No, you're an obedient Christian. You're not being generous. You're actually being stingy. Because you're only doing what is expected of you. There's no generosity there. Being generous is the key. We need to do more than what is expected. You start with the tithe, but you don't end there. And this all leads us to something that, that we have a hard time understanding. And that is this. Our true reward for generosity can only be realized beyond this physical life. When you are faithful in your tithe and you are generous in your giving, you might see some reward here on earth, but the greatest reward that you will see for your faithfulness is going to be long, be long after this world comes to an end. When you give to this church... It goes to pay the heat. So those of you who are not cold, you can, you can thank yourselves for paying the bills so you can have heat. But that's not the only place it goes to. Those of you who give to missions, we support missionaries. Those missionaries, they go overseas and they present the gospel to people who haven't heard the gospel or they invest in, in people's lives who do not know Jesus. And as a, as a result of that, they come to know Jesus, and they get to spend eternity with God. What you invest in the kingdom of God is going to be noted. But it's not just missions. You're giving. Um, you're giving also. We had a youth event here, not this past Friday, but the Friday before that. There was a youth actually in here. Imagine all these chairs shoved up against the wall. And they had this big, huge, inflatable, um, I don't know what it was, big inflatable. Obstacle course, that's right. Big, huge. It took up like a third of this sanctuary right here. And we, we, we as a church funded that because they reached their goal of $3,000 for Speed of Light. Okay? Yeah. We have fun. I was here for a little while. I didn't stay for the whole thing. We had fun. Believe it or not, I did a backflip while I was in there. Yeah, yeah. Don't tell my wife, because I'll get in trouble when I get home if she knows about it. That's what, when you give, that is what we're able to minister to students who don't know Jesus. 
our kids' ministry they're meeting right now. We're able to supply the curriculum that they need. We're able to give them a place to meet. These are the things that we are investing in when we are generous with what God has given us. When you're generous with God's money, these are the, the eternal rewards, the treasures in heaven that we are storing up. So how, what are some, what are some basic things that we can do, that, that you as an individual can do to, to maintain generosity and obedience to what God has for you? So maybe, maybe you're, you're not consumed with money. Maybe you are giving regularly, you're giving generously. Maybe that is your lifestyle. Or maybe you've never really started giving because... Nobody told you you needed to. Or maybe you didn't think it was that important. Or maybe you are addicted to our American society if you got to have it. How do we, where do we go from here? The first thing we need to, to do is we need to identify the earthly treasures that we're putting our efforts toward and figure out where the heavenly treasures could be, we could put that toward instead. So where are the, where are the things that, what, what are the things that occupy your mind? What are the things that occupy your, uh, your actions? And what are the things that you spend your money on? Because if all three of those things are the same thing, chances are you're obsessed, addicted, you are a slave to that. Find things in your life that need to be go that need to go from a an earthly treasure and put toward a heavenly treasure. Next, we need to ask God to help you invest. You got to have God's help because you cannot do it on your own. Uh, as I've mentioned before, my brother uh, heavily into alcohol was alcoholic. Um, he's doing pretty good now, hasn't, hasn't touched alcohol in a while, um, but there is no way on God's earth he could do it alone. There was no way. He, couldn't, he did not have the strength. And most of us, most of us need help when it comes to addiction. And when it comes to money, we are all, all subject to it. So we ask for help from God. God, you've shown me where I need to invest, the heavenly things I need to invest in. Help me do that. If you're not asking God for help, you need to start asking for help. Because you can't do it on your own. We like to think we can. And we like to say God can read my mind. And that's true. God knows what you're thinking. But there's just something about saying it out loud. If we really want to overcome an addiction, if we really want to overcome an addiction, we need to listen to God when he's telling us to do something. When it comes to finances, God makes it pretty clear, pretty clear. 
Be generous. Be generous. Again, the worship team is going to come up. And we're going to close with one last song. I know I didn't say a lot of really encouraging things today. I probably challenged some of you. And there's a story in the Bible that Jesus, uh, Jesus is in the temple and um, his disciples are with him and uh, some uh, Pharisees are coming and they're giving large amounts of money and putting it into the, the offering. And a little old lady, a widow, has two small copper coins. And as she's passing by, she drops those two copper coins into the, into the offering. And Jesus says, you see, you see that? That lady gave more than all of the others because she gave all she had to live on. God isn't concerned about how much God is concerned about you trusting him. It's not about you're able to write a $100,000 check. God could care less. It's about you giving what God has told you to give and trusting him to take care of everything else. We serve a great God that can do miracles in everybody's life. But we can only do what he allows us to do. He'll only, he, he can only fill us up to the point that we can, and we can take it in. And unless we are giving it out, and it's, it's not just finances, it's every aspect of our life. God, I don't have enough time. Well, it could be that you're not spending your time doing the right kind of things. You're not giving God the time that, that he needs so that he can fill you up. As the worship team sings this song, I want you I want you to ask God what it is God wants from you. What things are holding you back from being who God wants you to be, from giving what God wants you to give, from doing what God wants you to do, from saying what God wants you to say, we cannot be paralyzed by the addictions in our lives. we got to be set free from God. And the best way to be set free from God is just by doing what he asks. So as they lead us in this song, I want you to talk with God. I want you to communicate with God. I want you to ask him, hey, God, what are things in my life? Where am I storing up my treasures? Are there, are there earthly treasures that I'm, that I'm putting my efforts into? How can I put those into heavenly treasures? Let God speak to you. I was reading a book um, a couple of years ago, 2015. I was in school and I was reading a book 
it had to do with evangelism, but he started talking about uh, what he felt God wanted him to do. And he, and he goes through a series of uh, fights with God because God told him, I want you next year, I want you to give $100,000 to the ministry that you are helping. Now, if God told me that, I'd freak. Say, God, you are crazy. There's no way I could give $100,000 and have enough money to live off of. But you know, after fighting with God for a little while, he, he says, okay, God, if that's what you want, that's what I'll do. And he says three months into it, three months into it, he'd only given $4,000. And he says, you know what I had to do? I had to, I started looking at my life and I had to evaluate what was more important, answering the call of God or living a comfortable lifestyle. He said his, his income didn't really increase. And he says, I look back now and it's hard to tell where the money came from. But in a year, he raised $120,000 above and beyond what he had to live off of because he was willing to do whatever God told him to do. Are we willing to do the same thing? I don't think God is, maybe he, he is going to, call somebody to do that. I don't think that's what he's, God's going to call us to do in particular. But what he is calling us to do is to seek him and be obedient. And, it, it, and one of the hardest places in most people's lives to be obedient, not just giving what is expected, but going above that, but the hardest place for us is our money. when we start being obedient God opens the floodgates he releases us from uh, from our, our slavery to, to, to possessions he releases us from our addiction to money and he creates in us contentment that we can't find anywhere else because no amount of money can bring you contentment no amount of possessions can make you joyfully in your life. They can make you happy for a period, but you'll get bored with it. The only thing that can, can, can solve this issue in our lives is God. So I want to pray. Hopefully you had a chance to talk with God. And <clears throat> If you don't, if you, if you are not, if you're not right now giving the way God wants you to give, okay, don't think about it. Don't try and figure things out. Start by just being obedient and being faithful and let God take care of the rest. That's when you start pouring out. That's when you start ministering to other people. That's when things start changing. 
stand with me? If you want God to use you, and I'm going to be very specific, if you want God to use you to bless others, to, to store up your treasures in heaven, I want to have you raise your hands, and we're going to pray a prayer. And then you are going to leave this room. You're going to leave this room, and you're going to listen to what the Spirit is telling you. So if you want to be free from an addiction of money or that got to have it, if you want to be free of, of always being uncontent with where you're at, or maybe you just want to be more giving, I want you to raise your hands with me. And I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray in your own words. I want you to talk to God. I want you, and, and I want you to do it out loud. I know sometimes we can pray in our minds, and God reads our minds. But listen, there's something that happens when our voice is heard out loud. So as I pray, I want you to pray and ask God to help you. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your willingness to come and die on a cross so that I could spend eternity with God. That I could spend eternity with the Father. I could spend eternity in a place beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you so much for that. And I ask that you would just reach down, Lord, not only into to my life, but into the life of every individual here, that you would guide us into all truth. You would free us from the bonds of slavery. Free us from the addictions that we have in our lives. And start with this, I got to have it attitude. I don't have enough. You are the God who supplies all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And as long as we have you, we have what we need. Give me clear direction this year, Lord, and, and as to what you want me to do with my finances how you want me to overcome selfishness, how you want me to overcome discontentment. Help me to rely on you in my times of doubt, to rely on you in the temptations to not do what you've called me to do. Knowing that it is not this world that is my home, but it is the world to come, the heaven that is waiting for me. I know I can't take anything with me, but you've promised that I can send things ahead to meet me there. Let me store up treasures in heaven. We ask this, Lord, in your holy name. We lift it up to you. Amen.